You're listening to Nowhere to Run with Chris White on the Revelations Radio Network. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to Nowhere to Run. It's good to be back here with you. It's been a long time since the last podcast. Um, probably one of the longest periods of time uh, without podcasting since 2006 for me, so or somewhere around there, whenever I started. So it's uh, it's good to be back here, and I am sorry about the, the lack of material. It's been uh, a change of plans, I guess you could say. I was hoping to be podcasting more in the new year, but... We had some financial catching up to do and some other things around here that really required me to just be working two jobs and the schedules for those jobs were all over the place. So, And I'm not complaining. I was actually really glad to have those jobs and get those jobs. So, uh, But the schedules were really didn't leave me much free time. And the free time that I did have was just sort of maintaining the basics like the Christianity 101 DVDs. And um, I did finish the Sabbath video and did a few podcasts here and there. But... But basically, it's been pretty quiet on this front. But uh, I do think things have settled down um, permanently. Now I'm down to one job, and uh, it's got pretty much a set schedule, so I can really plan out my time better and, and hopefully pick up right where I left off with podcasting and videos and all the rest of it. Okay, a few show notes before we get started. First, on the Ancient Aliens debunked documentary, some of you may be aware that A&E Entertainment which is the owner of the History Channel, which is the owner of Ancient Aliens, uh, was able to take down the documentary I made, Ancient Aliens Debunked, from YouTube. They claimed it was infringing their copyright. So that's been down for a while, and I've been sort of debating about what to do about that. Should I fight it? Was it worth fighting it or whatnot? Anyway, I sent them uh, some emails explaining that I believed it was a textbook case of uh, fair use and then I um, you know, thought it was a free speech issue and then I was willing to go to court if necessary and uh, lo and behold I have received emails from them saying that they are going to release the claim on Ancient Aliens Debunked thereby uh, restoring it to YouTube and protecting it from future claims. So that's a victory I think although at present it's not quite uh, released yet. In fact they, they released it on the wrong account they released <laughs> anyway to make a long story short we're still actually not online yet but uh but it i'm confident it will be pretty soon so that's a victory i'm excited about that thank you for uh to all the people that uh, mentioned that they would uh that they knew lawyers or something that i might uh, you know contact or whatnot which gave me confidence to sort of um try to 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 act boldly uh, in such a in such a situation so thanks for that and it it worked so on to the next thing which is the sabbath video just an update on that that it is working i know i asked everyone to pray that it would get to those people uh, that hold this particular or variations of uh, sabbatarian theology and seventh day adventist and to my surprise really i think i mentioned i just didn't i didn't think it could get to a lot of those people in my limited experience the folks that and really not just the Sabbath issue, but a lot of legalism things that they're really argumentative about it. It's actually, I would rather have a debate with some of the uh, Zeitgeisters or David Eikers or Jesarianites or, or, or Maxwellites or somebody like that than a lot of the folks that hold to some of these legalistic doctrines. But um, it has been a really pleasant experience for the most part. I mean, there is that going on, don't get me wrong, but 
at the, at the end of the day, there's been a lot of really good fruit from it. So I just am really pleased with the outcome, and I attribute that in large part to prayer. Uh, I know I asked everyone to pray specifically for that. just wanted to update you that it is working. So I sent that video to a few authors and stuff that are involved in this kind of um, work, and really pleasant reports from them. One uh, guy asked for a special upload to, or rather a special upload and a special edit to to use for his ministry. So it's been it's been good. One sort of bummer update is the sleep paralysis site has been hacked and it is all the way gone. It's just off the server. So I don't know what's going on. I hope to have that fixed soon. I'm actually literally in the process right now of doing some things that hopefully will fix it, but it's actually really possible that I'll have to start all over from scratch with that site. And it's kind of especially frustrating because I was... Uh, the reason I found out it was it was hacked and, and that it was gone is I was trying to log in to the site to make uh, to begin these changes that I have planned that I think will just really revolutionize the whole um, thing that I'm trying to do with the sleep paralysis. I've got this big plan that all revolves around the website, and I'm like all excited about it. I get started, and the website's gone. So, so I'll be spending some time trying to figure that out in the next uh, day at least. Hopefully not month, because if it doesn't work today, then I've got a long uh, journey ahead of me to get that back online. So that's that. Um, another thing that's sort of a personal note is gardening. I've been doing what's known as square foot gardening out here in East Tennessee. It's a technique uh, pioneered by a guy named Mel Bartholomew. His website, square or excuse me, I'm sure he's got a website, but his book is called square foot gardening and it is a really popular book i think it might be like the most popular gardening book of all time or something like that but the idea is that with 80 percent less space and 80 percent less work you can have the same yields as traditional gardening and it's really especially geared for those people who uh, want to garden organically and grow organic vegetables so i recommend this idea to you i've been having a lot of fun with it and it's a good time to start. So if you're out there and you've think, been thinking, hey, I, I think I want to start gardening, it's really easy. Check out Square Foot Gardening. You could actually probably just check out the 30-minute or so video that I recently posted on Facebook and get a pretty good idea of what it's all about. So uh, check that out. You can go to my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash nowhere to run, one word. K, no, it's actually N-O-W, uh, nowhere to run, the word to, not the number. That's confusing, but anyway, um, I think that gardening, first of all, you learn a lot about all the stuff there is to know, you know, which plants do what in what conditions and and all the stuff that goes with that. It's sort of a, a new skill set, but I think it's kind of fun to learn all that stuff. But one of the things that I've personally benefited from gardening is, number one, it's a way for me to kind of unwind. I don't really have to think about a lot of other things when I'm doing it, and, and it's just relaxing. But the other thing is I feel like I'm actually learning stuff about life and uh, about the Bible and about, spir about spirituality because uh, there's so much agricultural symbolism in the Bible. Almost, if you think about it, agricultural symbolism is a way to sort of speak the language of everybody. It's just, it's a really great way to express spiritual truths and the Bible does it often. And I feel like though I understand those things when I read them, when I actually see agricultural stuff happen in front of me, it actually makes it 
stick a little bit. I was just thinking the other day about how, you know, I water these plants and, you know, I make sure they have good soil and make sure they're in a good place where they can get sunlight and all these other things, sunlight and water and, and soil you can do to the plant. You can, you can do for the plant, but the growth, you can't, you know, really do anything about that. It's the, the increase is from God as uh, I think uh, the apostle Paul said it, but, but the thing I was thinking about that is that water is a lot like the word of God in biblical symbolism. Uh, for example, Ephesians 5 talks about the washing of the water of the word. Here it's talking about how a husband should be ministering to his wife uh, with the word of God. The word of God is likened to uh, water in that case. I'm thinking of, I think it's Psalm, is it Psalm 2 that talks about the man who meditates day and night on the word of God is like a tree planted by rivers of water um, that bears fruit in its season and its leaf shall not wither. And in that case, the water there, the, the, that is to say the tree is bearing fruit and its, its leaves are not withering because it's planted in such a great place where it's being fed by these rivers of water. Um, in that case, that man is, is, is growing because of his meditating on the word. Uh, in that case, the water is, is the word. So it's a lot like that, you know, when you, you have to water plants every day. I was thinking about the recent podcast that I did where I, I mentioned that the Christian life and Christian growth is not automatic. You have to do it continually in the same time, in the same way that your watering of a plant um, is required for that plant to grow. That plant is going to not grow if you're not watering it. So... Uh, it's it's a very appropriate symbol, I think, to the Word of God that we need to to get input in order to grow. If we're not getting any input, if you're not if you're just watching Netflix movies and you know, I know it can it can easily turn into that. I'm not saying Netflix is bad, but you know, it can easily turn into that's what you do with all your free time, and it's such a chore, you know. To okay, I'll read the Bible. Well, you know, I don't know. Try to figure out a way to where it's not a chore. You know, maybe you need a new Bible. Maybe, um, you know, maybe in addition to that, you can sort of mix it up and read um, books about uh, uh, Christian growth and stuff like that. Some of the best uh, growth I've ever had was from books like, you know, Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret, and I always mention George Mueller. Right now I'm reading um, a commentary set from J. Vernon McGee, which I found at a uh, thrift store really, really, really cheap. I mean, not a lot of people might think it's all that great to read commentaries, but I love it. I think I, I just get so much out of it. Uh, whatever, you know, we need input, we, whether it's listening to sermons I've mentioned in that podcast or, or whatever, in addition to the Word of God, but just being being fed spiritually, in this case, the, the Word being likened to water, is something we need to do consistently. The plant needs water consistently or it will not grow in the same way. We need the Word of God consistently or we will not grow. Okay, moving on to what I hope to talk about at length, and that is dealing with sin in our lives, overcoming sin issues in our lives. And really, I think it, it's mostly about the motivations that we should have toward that goal, that is pursuing holiness uh, and godliness and righteousness. And and so this is going to be about motivations in a sense. Um, this is something that we all have to deal with. I mean, whatever those issues are in our lives, uh, we've got something in which we need to be dealing with, and we also need to be pursuing holiness. So even if you're saying, well, I don't have anything major or whatever in my life that I need to deal with, it might be something minor, 
Um, but you probably know what it is, or at least got a pretty good idea. And if you can't think of a single thing, then there is also the pursuit of holiness, which is what you should be striving towards. Yes, you're not getting any worse, but you need to start getting better. So we'll talk about some of those issues. But really, in relation to dealing with sin issues in our lives, um, the motivation... Uh, to live holy lives is all throughout scripture. The New Testament constantly says, you know, stuff to, you know, keep yourself unspotted from the world and, and all this stuff. I, I'm thinking of all the letters of Paul to Timothy and Titus and all the admonitions, you know, to to live holy lives, to really pursue it. There's a lot of uh, talk in the Bible about that. When he, when in the letters to the churches, that's one of the main things is to to really strive towards holiness. Now, in the sort of modern day situation, we have really, I, I, I'm, I'm really painting this with a broad brush, but a lot of uh, really two categories of, of emphasis. One is the kind of holiness emphasis. And, you know, around here in the country, there's, you know, churches called the holiness church of this and that and that kind of thing. And, and you find that um, a lot of those churches, you would think, hey, that's good. That's what the Bible teaches. But really, it's not. Their motivations for living holy lives are not correct. Oftentimes, you'll find that the, it's not that striving to live a holy life isn't correct, but their motivations for doing it aren't correct. Now, they might say, oh, yeah, we believe that we're saved by grace and not by works. They'll say all the right things, but but most of the people emphasizing that as a part of their thing uh, really, really don't. Um, believe that even if they teach it. This a lot of cults find fall into this category. A lot of legalism today falls into this category. You know, I'm fresh in my mind as a Seventh Day Adventist. They are very serious about living holy lives, but they're also, um, you know, it's for doctrinally wrong reasons. I mean, they think that you know, if you're not sinlessly perfect by the time that you are investigative judgment happens, which could happen at any moment, then you are, you know, you're going to hell. So you have to, you know, constantly repent of every, every sin. Or, and if not, then you're going to hell. That, that's, that's not a correct way to, to be motivated to, to not be sinful. A lot of legalism is like that, whether it's an actual institutionalized cult, or it's just sort of one of these, you know, uh, many flavors of false teaching out there, especially on the internet these days, but the bottom line is, is is it's fear most of the time. And on the other side of that, you kind of have, and I think both of these guys are overcorrecting. You know, on the other side of that, you have the the people that emphasize grace. And I'm not here picking on the idea of like, you know, hyper grace people that, uh, you know, say we can do whatever we want because of grace. That's not what I'm talking about. Most people that emphasize grace uh, don't do that. Most good churches emphasize grace, and and part of that is because they're overcorrecting from uh, false religions that they've been into. Perhaps uh, like you know, you know, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that that good churches came out of were bad teaching of the other side. So they were like, look, they weren't even teaching about grace over here in the holiness world. We need to emphasize, and and people need to understand. You know that we are saved because Christ was righteous. Christ fulfilled the law. It's it's Him that we will uh, appeal to on Judgment Day and say, "I didn't do it, but there was one who did," and it's in Him that we are trusting. That's the whole propitiation thing—the wrath of God 
being satisfied for my sins is truly satisfied. You know, we could go on and talk about what the gospel is, that it really is good news when you really understand it. A lot of the videos that I have really try to show that in, in, in an intellectual way. If you're at all wondering about this, you can find more information about that. On any one of my websites, there is a tab that says the gospel. There's a lot of videos on there, all of which are trying to explain basically that one idea, the idea that our righteousness is in Christ, which diffuses almost any type of legalism. But So I guess what I'm saying is that there is a lot of overcorrection on both sides. The, the one group, the grace group, is overcorrecting from uh, those that are only preaching holiness, and the holiness uh, folks are overcorrecting, believing that you know the grace people, they're not even talking about the verses that are telling us and admonishing us to, to be holiness. It's like they're, you know, of course you can hear them in a, in a sermon saying, this church down the road, church B, you know, they don't even talk about being holy or whatever. They're just talking about grace. Well, I'll say there's more to it than that, Mr. Church B, and that kind of thing. So they're both overcorrecting to opposite ends of the spectrum, but the answer is somewhere in the middle. Um, we we need motivation to pursue personal holiness with zeal. And on the one hand, on the grace side, there isn't a lot of motivation in, in that emphasis. Now, they're, they're doing good in that they're emphasizing and explaining grace. That's super, super good. But the, I think that sometimes they may be kind of afraid to emphasize the need for personal holiness, believing that the people will take that as, are you telling us that we need to pursue holiness and deal with the sin and stuff like that? Because if we don't, then we're out of the club, so to speak. We're out of the, we're going to hell. Is that what you're saying? And I think that they, I don't want to say afraid, but I think that it's not emphasized as much because they don't want to give the wrong impression. Um, And similarly, the Holiness Church would never preach that we really are saved, we're hidden in Christ no matter what we do, because they would be absolutely terrified that if they really taught that, and I would submit that most of them don't really understand it themselves, then then it would lead people to sin because then what why would you what what's your motivation to not sin then if you if you can do anything and all that stuff? I mean how almost Almost, uh, I wish I could get a, an actual percentage of the New Testament that was written just to explain that fact. Um, I really have this fresh in my mind because of the recent Sabbath video, and I think that that video does a whole lot more than just deal with Sabbath. It, de- it, it deals with this issue right here, it's it, what we're talking about today. If you watch that hour and a half movie, you're going to you're going to really understand what I'm a premise that I'm trying to get to here, which is that. Um, I'm proposing that the more that you understand about grace, about the gospel, um, about your righteousness before God being solely based on the fact that Christ was and is righteous and not on anything that you can or will ever do for God, the, the more you understand that, the more free you will be to pursue holiness and extinguish the fires of sin in your life and have motivation to extinguish those fires. To put it very, very simply, when you know that you're going to heaven, it will make you pursue holiness more. Now, it's not the only reason. Just simply knowing that you're going to heaven for the right doctrinal reasons will not be that motivation. Perhaps I should say this better. Uh, That is to say, a correct pursuit of personal holiness... um, 
the way that the Bible intends us to pursue it can only happen in freedom if you really understand the gospel and the fact that 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 personal holiness and the pursuit of that holiness um, that it's not that your your salvation does not hang in the balance. It's counterintuitive, I know. I, I know it, it doesn't, you know, it work, work in any other sort of uh, context, you know. You know, you would not say to a business person, go ahead and pay the person the, their, you know, year's salary and go ahead and put it in their, their account and they will work as hard as they, um, you, you would never say give, do that to a person because they wouldn't work as hard if they've already been paid for the work. And that's basically what I'm telling you will happen. Now, it really comes down to the question, what is this motivation that you're speaking of? I mean, how how does this work? How is that supposed to work? And that's what I want to talk about. Because, you know, if you're not doing some sin that you want to do, you, you, you would want to do something out there, but you're not doing it because, A, you know, you might get caught. You know, you have... You, that's why I don't like, really like accountability group ideas is because it just seems like... That's really the only thing keeping you from it is that, you know, you could, you, you got to fess up to somebody. And, and I understand the, the rationale behind it. And I'm not saying that they are bad for uh, some people in some situations and, and maybe in all situations to some degree. But but your your motivation not to sin there is based on that you don't want to have to tell somebody about it or you, you don't want to get caught. Not And it may be by the police or it may be by your wife or it may be by... Uh, you know, somebody, your friend, or, or whatever. You don't want to get caught is not a good reason to not sin. It may be a good thing for you to have that fear because it does, in fact, keep you from doing a particular sin. That's I'm not saying that's a bad thing to have a fear of getting caught for your sin. That's a good thing, but it can't be your motivation to deal with sin. And, and similar, similarly, thinking that it will send you to hell or that God, you know, will you'll lose some salvation points or I don't know, however it is you're rationalizing in your mind, anything like that is also, uh, you know, when you're, when you're putting it in that kind of context, your salvation hangs in the balance or, you know, like the Catholic Church, I think, is, is a good example of how their theology works. That's also a, a not a right motivation to to be dealing with sin. They're not good reasons. And they're, this is the issue. They're not the reasons that are supposed to keep us from sinning in the New Testament. Um, how does it work in the New Testament? Well, again, the recent video explains a lot about this, so I'm, I'm not going into the detail here that um, I could. I am sort of hoping that you will go watch the, the Sabbath video or listen to the audio or whatnot to, to if you're really interested about this. But the Spirit of God, which is given to every true believer, um, every true Christian, gets that, and, it, and that Spirit um, does what the law did in the Old Testament. It convicts you of sin. Now, that conviction of sin exists in every Christian. Um, it, it, let's just say it, it, it makes you aware of the sin that you're doing and that you shouldn't do. And it reminds you of it. Now, it doesn't make you not do anything. It doesn't make you do anything about it, but it, it convicts you of sin. It makes you aware and aware of your need to de deal with it, aware of it and your need to deal with it. So, so for example, I always tell the story about how I was still smoking pot uh, after I was 
genuinely saved. And I thought, you know, I had my reasons for why Christians could be smoking pot and everything. You know, I was tell you about them in a drop of a hat. But after I was saved, uh, you know, nothing changed. I didn't hear any new argument about uh, why it wasn't or this thing or that thing. But I just started getting uh, convicted about it. I was like, hey, you know, this isn't something... I don't think I can do this much longer. And eventually I just had to stop it because I was I was being told, hey, uh, that is a sin for you and it is bad and you need to deal with it. And I had to stop because it was convicting me of sin. Now, I say I had to stop. I guess I could have fought it. And I think that a lot of times we do fight the conviction of sin. If we are truly saved, we are being convicted of those things. And we may rationalize a way around it. We may be torturing ourselves doing it because we are as it says we're grieving the holy spirit you know i've thought about this a lot i thought well maybe it's the grieving of the holy spirit that should be our motivation to not sin i don't want to grieve the holy spirit therefore i shouldn't sin and that is true that's a great motivation but is that the motivation that will make you actually stop doing it you know one could say look the love of god the the, the fact that he has freed us that is our motivation to not sin and that's true and and, and i wish that i could claim that that was the, the thing that, that, that I can hold on to to really dig my heels in and deal with the sin. And maybe it will be one of these days, but, 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 but right now uh, it, it's not uh, the motivation. What we, the motivation is kind of a little bit different, practically speaking, for me, and that's what I'm going to talk about here in a little bit. Um, now, the Spirit, though, is convicting us of the sin. Our motivation to deal with that conviction is a whole other issue, which we'll talk about. Um, you know, we are being told by the Holy Spirit to begin a war with sin, a war that could just contain one battle and will be over the next day. You know, you might be convicted about some issue that you're like, wow, oh, wow, I got to deal with that. And you deal with it and it's gone and you never think about it again. A one day war that might be what your uh, your war looks like for that particular sin, or it could be a, a, a war with a thousand battles that lasts years and years and years. But we are called to a war with our sin, and the Holy Spirit points you to the enemy. And it says, look, that's it. You have to do something about it. And depending on the the, the, the level of, uh, you know, whatever that sin is, how addicted you are to it, um, really... You know how much you're input putting on that sin as far as you're you you have to do it because of this reason or that reason. All these other factors determine the strength of that sin in your life. How much roots, how many roots it has in you. You know, then we need a serious motivation, don't we? I mean, if if this thing has got a hold of you and it's and you're making excuses for it, but you know you shouldn't, and all this other stuff, then you need some serious motivation to to start chopping away those roots. And by the way, this applies to all you Christians out there that have been Christians for a long time that may have dealt with some particular sin in your life, but you know you have begun flirting with it here and there, thinking that you can you know flirt with it a little bit and, and, and you've found out that it quickly grabs a hold of you again and gets its roots in you, and you may be trapped once again in, in a situation like that where you uh, know that it's an issue and you need to deal with it. You know, one thing that uh, I heard uh, my pastor mention recently, which was that uh, when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness by Satan, you know, you think, oh, well, you know, that Jesus had this this big uh, thing in the wilderness and it was, 
Satan tempting him, and then it was done and over. But Satan just said he left him for a more opportune time. You know, that wasn't the last that uh, that Jesus would, would hear from Satan in regard to temptation. It just said that uh, Satan left him for a more opportune time. Look, this is this is the same thing in our lives. We have to realize that Satan is walking around like a lion looking to whom he may devour. And he's looking for the weak, uh, when you're weak, when you're tired, when you have some crisis or whatever, and you might be right back into some issue that now you need to deal with. And that's what we're talking about. How do you get the motivation to deal with it? You know, um, I think that one thing for the believer that that really does come from the spirit is that you you don't want it. You can feel that it has this nasty power over you. you. You don't like it. It just it's this hole in your sternum, and it just doesn't feel good. And you don't you don't want to live like that. Um, that's that's one motivation to get this taken care of. Um, one thing that I think is important for anybody in this situation looking for motivation to begin a war with their sin is to know that God really will do the heavy lifting. He really will take the desire from you if you do your part. You know, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That is something I'm telling you is really true. That's been the story of every time, and I've analyzed just about every time I was dealing with some major sin in my life, I was always thinking about it, thinking about why it worked. And, and, and every time that there was some some tug, some desire, some addiction, whatever it was, I never actually believed it would go away. But once I began to war it, usually the least when I was not thinking about it, you know, I look back, it's like, hey, it's gone. You know, it was two weeks later and I realized I don't even want to do that thing anymore. I was convinced I would always want to do that thing. Nobody could have ever told me that that desire would actually go away. And here, all it took was a little bit of work on my part, the declaration of war and the beginning to fight the war. I think so many times we're praying for God to take something away, yet we aren't lifting a finger to do anything about it, to begin to war against it. So, and the the thing I guess I just want to mention about this is besides the motivation of that you don't like the, the feeling, you don't like the control, you don't like all the things, the negative stuff that goes with um, that, that drive, um, the other thing is that I always used to talk about getting a kind of super motivation, a repentance that, you know, I called it, and I've called it many times, believer's repentance, a, a decision that it will be the last time in your life to do that thing. Um, and though it might not actually be the last time, it, you know, maybe it's one of those thousand battle, many year, uh, wars that you have with some, with, with one of these things, which by the way, should continue to get better. I mean, you shouldn't be losing co constantly, but you know, the fact that you're battling and, and you might, I've talked about this in the video, how I quit watching pornography. I talk about that, uh, that struggle of back and forth, but it should be getting better, even though you know every once in a while you might lose a battle in, a, in one of those 
opportune times or whatnot for Satan, but it should be getting further and further away those those times, and you should getting be getting stronger uh, in your resistance of it. And I talk about that in a lot of detail in that in that video. But uh, but my point is is in something like that or uh, with big things like quitting drinking, you know, or smoking, and all this all these types of things. I would always say that there needs to be a, a change of mind, which is what repent means about it. You need to mentally deny yourself that future drink or that future cigarette. You know, no special occasion drink, no special occasion cigarette. And if you can really, if you can really make that resolution in your mind, look, this is the last time I'm going to do this, um, and I'm not going to do it again. I just don't care. It's that sort of uh, resolve, that boldness that really makes the the temptation when it comes up it makes you able to deal with it you know because you're like no man i'm done i don't i i don't care how much this 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 temptation came here or this uh this thing here i i'm done because i have this resolve to not do it the resolve beats the uh chemical or or physical or whatever addictive property that will come from time to time depending on what it is um, if you if you have resolve, you can you can you can do something against the counterattacks. But here's the here's the catch twenty two, and something I, I'm trying to analyze uh, for you here is this: What happens if your situation and your whatever it is sinful thing is is you you can't muster up enough resolve you can't be like us you know really resolute about it look i'm just not going to do it anymore and that's that one caveat about that is 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 you can have that resolve you can be very resolute i'm not going to do that every, anymore and that will help you to resist the immediate temptations and you might go uh, a week a month two months three months four months a year whatever um and then it might happen again now if it happens again then you need to get right back on on the horse, as it were, and you need to again make that resolution. Look, that I may have slipped up, and it may be more difficult for me now because I kind of got to start over as far as all the desires and whatnot just kind of flooding back because of that. Well, that's okay. I'm still going to muster up this resolution again. That is that last time there was the last time, and that's you know whatever. Gonna and and I I've said in many times that it's that sort of repentance believers repentance uh, 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 about sins that makes the desires go away okay because all these other motivations like uh, i'm afraid i'll go to hell if i do it i'm afraid i'll get caught if i do it they don't actually fix the problem they just they just keep you from doing the thing but it doesn't actually make the desires go away what i'm talking about is is a solution to 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 take these issues and to crush them in such a way that you are free you're not burdened by them anymore uh, and that's part of what what our inheritance in Christ allows the freedom from the bondage of sin and i think because we're not we're not dealing with sin correctly um a lot of us may be not doing certain sins but we might still be in bondage to them so that's what what i'm hoping to to deal with here but what I was trying to say before I went on that tangent was that though in most cases this believer's repentance, this resolution to not do something, uh, will 
will be the thing that 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 helps you to to in the short term resist the temptations to do it and also keep you from doing it in the long term and also that keeping you from doing it in the long term will result in the freedom from wanting to do it the devil will flee if you resist him so that believer's repentance and that resolution works for almost all things but uh, if you're in a situation where you're trying to sort of muster up this resolution but you can't do it you know you, you're trying well i don't you might say well i just didn't have the resolution you know i was close i had a lot of resolution i had a lot of good reasons i wrote down all these reasons why i shouldn't do it and they they looked great on paper and and that's why i shouldn't do it and then i did it you know and then i then i really in the back of my mind I really wanted to continue doing it, and I knew that I would continue doing it, even though I might, you know, try to stop it here and there, and I could relapse, and then I do it, and then I relapse, and, you know, back and forth is sort of constant seesaw. In that situation, though I still think, you know, the resolution is what you need to do, uh, you need to come up with some kind of, you know, you need to be committed to quitting it, I guess is what, what we need to say. But it may be what you need to do is just decide to fight the battles and not worry so much about the war um you know i think in a lot of the cases in my past i have i've won the war uh mentally first and then when the battles i I might lose a battle here and there but the war was already uh firmly decided it might not be that way depending on what your thing is or or whatnot it may be that you can't muster up the resolution to win the war you kind of still want the war to continue but you can resolve to um beating up satan when the battles show up you can you can get serious about when they when they show up you 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 deal with that in a way and, and there's a number of ways to do it um i think that that if you're really serious about doing something like this and you're going to make a big step about quitting something then you need to test whether or not prayer for god's sustainment of you is a real thing there's a great verse, one of my favorite verses of all time, Psalm 55:22. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. If you can't if you've got a burden and and, and it's just killing you, but yet you're willing to give it a shot, what I would suggest is you've got to just give it fall completely on the hope that he will sustain you. But you've got to cast your burden on him and you've got to 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 pray through the whole thing if you're going to like get up tomorrow morning and you're going to actually try to quit whatever it is that you've been trying to quit uh and you're going to try and you're going to do it for real then then i would suggest to you if you if you can't you know obviously if you could have already done with this through through motivation or whatever you would have done it what i would suggest to you is you've got to be like i've got to dig in and pray about this i can't i i I don't have the luxury of throwing up a few soft prayers here and there i've got to go through tomorrow praying a lot you know praying a number of times per day uh and praying seriously and asking for him to sustain you just like his word says you cast your burden upon the lord and he will sustain you he can sustain you he has sustenance that he can give you um it's 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 out of his 
treasure that he can keep you uh, from from this this trial. And I'm telling you, you, you it will be it, before you know it. I mean, this is how it's going to happen. Where you're going to like look back and you're going to look back and say, "Where did it go? You know, where did this?" burden go i thought this was going to be a long drawn out battle and because of going into it trusting requiring the lord's mercy and his sustenance uh and seeking it through prayer consistently it just the battle was won and you thought it was all about you and how much you could resist it and whatever and you found out hey this is actually just a matter of the lord and his doing it so that's that's something for those people that may be uh, in something that, that they are so addicted to it that they can't really muster up a defeat of the war. And if they can, it's really not the kind of resolve that actually results in uh, uh, dealing with it. But I think in this situation, and probably better in all situations, that, that you that cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you in prayer. And I hope that this idea will help you to be a sin assassin, that you're going to take out this one and then you're going to take out another one. You know that you're going to pursue holiness with zeal because the fruit of holiness is, is, is first of all, growth. Um, you know, again, the Bible speaks of pursuing holiness um, as, as a part of the Christian life. And it's not just because that's what we do. We're Christians. It's because there are there are benefits all over the place for for really pursuing righteousness number one is your freedom from the burden of of satan and sin and all the stuff that the ugliness that that hangs around it you know what that feels like and there is uh freedom from it that that's that's one i already described that the other is what almost needs no description that that is Every sin, no matter what it is, has its own thing that's that that has a list of reasons why you should not do it that are very practical and very good for your life. If you just sat down right now with whatever sin you're thinking about and write down all the reasons why you should not do that and what things would get better if you stopped doing it, then you've already got a good list of reasons and, and those kinds of motivations for not doing it. Usually the only thing in the pro column is going to be, well, I like it or I can't stop doing it or something like that. It doesn't have it, 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 doing such something like that will actually show you that sin is in fact a lie. Um, we're told sin is good by music, movies, television. Everything is telling us that sin is what we deserve and it's great and we should do it, but it's all a lie. It, it's not actually. It's, it kills and steals and destroys and the fruit of everything that we call sin, literally everything that you can think of that's a sin, the fruit of that, when it, when it makes its uh, fullness, it, it does lead to death. It leads to spiritual death or physical death or both. Or it, It's just a bad deal. And we got sold a lie with the whole... Uh, media thing. So, so yeah, there's freedom in pursuing sin, both in your practical life situation, but also in that intangible sort of spiritual darkness that is got you enslaved. Do you want to be a slave to sin? No, of course not. Um, but then you also have the, the other benefits there, you know, uh, the prayer of a righteous man, um, avails much. 
Well, that's an interesting verse, you know, a prayer. Now, I understand that uh, that in that context, one could say, you know, righteous before God. You know, we're all righteous before God. But, but you know, there is there is that idea as well as that sin does inhibit our prayers to some extent. I mean, uh, Peter tells us that bitterness towards our wife will inhibit our, our prayers and different things like that. There's lots of things like that in there. So there's all kinds of different reasons to. They're practical. God... God calls things sins because he knows that if you do them, they will kill, steal, and destroy, make your quality of life worse than it is. That's why he calls them sins. He says, don't do these things because these things will hurt you, make you less joyful, really destroy your life. Don't do these things. He didn't come up with things that he decided to call sins. He says, look, here's a list of things that are really, really going to destroy your life. Don't do them. So it is destroying our life to do it. There's motivation to to, to not um, sin there. So um, I, think that's, I think that's what I wanted to say about sin and the, uh, the trying to live a holy life and how I think that's best done in full knowledge of the grace of God in the gospel, the good news, that it is no longer based on us. If we if we repent and put our faith in Christ, um, that is for for salvation, that we are putting it in him instead of in us, then we are saved. We receive the Holy Spirit, which then becomes like the law was. It becomes our the pointer out the pointing out of the things that we need to stop in our lives and then we need to deal with those things. That's that process is called sanctification. It's sometimes sometimes freeing to know that that's what sanctification is. It, it sort of presupposes that you're not going to be perfect overnight. It's a process. The process of sanctification can, it will last your entire life, and it will never be completed. And it's going to be these, you know, year-long, two-year, three-year, quad, you know, your whole life-long battles, wars with a lot of battles. So, you know, I think that when you're free to fight those battles knowing that the war is already won then it gives you it opens up this whole new gate of motivation for destroying sin in your life and if you say well i will just continue to sin uh knowing that uh that this is this is okay i will go to heaven well here's the deal about that is that the holy spirit will you will continue to grieve the holy spirit and you will live in 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 terrible awful darkness and shame because of that grieving of the Holy Spirit, if you truly are saved, not I'm not talking about the people who aren't saved, but simply understand the doctrine of grace and think that they can just go on doing what their sinful heart wants and not really even being convicted about the Holy Spirit and not really convicted at all about it. Well, for them, you know, that's a whole other issue. They need to repent and believe the gospel and understand the gospel. But but for those of you that truly are saved and the Holy Spirit is in you and convicting you of sins, you, your life cannot be uh good with living in that in that darkness because it will continue to burden you in this case it's not it's not the burden of uh, uh, it's the burden of the grieving of the holy spirit that you, sh- you you don't need to live under that you need to begin to deal with it and live in freedom uh a freedom that is a breath of fresh air that on the other side of that wall if you just do your part is goodness it's 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 good so Anyway, take that uh, step if you are uh, out there. 
The final thing I wanted to talk about is churchophobia in the conspiracy Christian world and how it shouldn't be. Now, are there bad churches and, and wrong doctrinally church, doctrinal churches and all this other stuff out there? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you have my uh, agreement in all the different things people say about it for the most part. But here's the deal. There are good churches in your town and they might not be perfect. In fact, I'm sure that they're not perfect. And I'm sure that they you know, do some stuff that might be annoying to you and your sensibilities somewhat. But you got to realize that they literally aren't going to be perfect. And that and that's because you're going to be there, as it's uh, often said. The reason church, the local church isn't perfect is because you're there. Uh, that is to say humans aren't perfect. And and so whatever. My point is, is that I think that we need to, if we are being convicted to go to church, we need to go. For some of you out there, this has been on your heart for a long time. The Lord's been saying, you need to go to church. You might even know the church you're supposed to go to. And you're just not doing it. Maybe you need to go find out where the good churches are. You know, today with the internet and they got their they got their doctrinal statement online and their sermon videos and sermon audio online. You don't have an excuse for not finding the good church to go visit on Sunday or whatever. Um, it's not for everybody at first, and I say it like that because it is for everybody. Uh, the New Testament is explicit about this. I mean, you can't do the Christian life without actually. Um, loving Christians. I mean, one of the things that we're supposed to do is love other Christians, especially those of the household of faith. We're supposed to be doing things with them, you know, helping other Christians. You know, it's not always about helping the poor or helping this. In fact, most of the programs in the early church was to go help the saints in Jerusalem who had a famine or whatever. We need to be helping other Christians. That's People need to say of Christians, wow, they really love each other so much. That's amazing. That's the kind of thing that most of the New Testament Christianity is about. So you can't really do Christianity in front of your computer uh, fully. You can do it. And for me, I was. Uh, it took me a long time to, to sort of, I don't know if I wasn't ready or whatever, but uh, it took me, you know, a year or two before I was invited to a church and I went and, and it was great. And I really liked it and I haven't looked back since. It's been... Um, it's been good. So what I want to encourage you about is to to do that. And I want to read a, a letter that was sent to me by somebody recently. And I think it might resonate with uh, some of you out there. So I'm just going to, to read it. It's, it's not too long, but uh, here it goes. It says, The local church is so important and vital, especially to a new Christian who doesn't know the Bible well at all and needs to get grounded in the faith. But just as important, they need strong Christians by their side to help them with the questions they have, to support them and encourage them and pray with them when the devil is relentless in his attacks. And of course, to hear preaching of the word of God. I understand that there are many, many apostate churches in America in the last days. The Bible is very specific about the great falling away that would happen right before the wicked is revealed. However, there are some sound biblical churches out there still. I believe God has saved a remnant, a remnant. He is growing the remnant in these last days through many different ways. I know many people will refuse to go to church because they believe in a pre-trib rapture, because they believe in a OSAS, or because of another small doctrinal difference that shouldn't be dividing us. God blessed me with three great churches after I got saved. One in Connecticut, then when I moved to Philadelphia, he blessed me with another one, and my most recent in Clearwater, Florida. I have learned, grown, fellowshiped, and studied with God's people, and truly have been blessed for attending. All of these churches were IFB. Yes, they had a 501c3 tax tag on them. 
A Bible teacher I respect and love, Dr. Scott Johnson, is discouraging people from joining local churches because he had a very bad experience in them. I wrote a similar letter, letter explaining the needs of God's children to fellowship together in real life and not just online, and he didn't respond to me. Instead, in his next podcast he, uh, that he hosted, he went through over an hour of material on why he believes 501c3 churches are, the subject, are subject under the government and are truly not following God. His message was spiteful, arrogant, and not in any way Christian. He goes on to talk about how it just really burdens him to see Christians um, not being fully equipped because of this kind of thought process in the conspiracy Christian world. And I'm not picking on Scott Johnson. I know that he's just one of many out there. Uh, I think Scott Johnson is great a lot of the times, but then I do think that he does, there's certain issues like this that, that I just think he's, he's doing this overcorrecting thing, you know? Um, and it's not that, that anyway, I don't want to talk so much about that. I just want to talk about the church issue that I, I think that, um, for example, I, I'm in a church right now. I'm actually been trying to do a little bit more, work in the local ministry because I have felt that God um, may be calling me to to experience more ministry in a face-to-face -face kind of way because there's a great deal of aspects of the ministry that I'm not getting, uh, though I'm doing you know a lot of different things in, in the way I'm currently you know, ministering to people, but uh, there's a lot for me to learn is what the impression that I'm getting. So through some circumstances, I've actually been uh, setting up to teach a class here at this church and to do some things in this kind of way that will be, to, uh, it's actually a class on discipleship, so I'm excited about that. I'm really excited because the the issue of discipleship and, and writing a, you know, I guess it's going to be about a six or seven week class on it is something that I'm just real passionate about. But I also realize that means I've got to do some face-to-face -face discipling, which, you know, I've done, of course, in my life, but not really in the way that I know that God wants to teach me about. So that's another aspect of it too, for people that are in the ministry, online ministers and stuff like that. I encourage you to, to be involved in a local church. And I've been involved in, in, in a lot of different churches and uh, throughout the, throughout the years and have really good relationships with all the, the pastors and, and all of those churches. So I think that it's a, uh, it's an important thing. I want to encourage you all about that. It may not be for you right now, but you should maybe consider starting to look around. You know, look at the ones in your local area. You know, I always recommend Calvary Chapel churches. Uh, I do that because they're part of what they they believe is the verse-by-verse -verse Bible teaching. And I've said it a million times. I think that verse-by-verse -verse Bible teaching kind of preserves a church doctrinally for a longer amount of time. That is to say that if you have to explain every verse... Um, in the Bible to your congregation. You don't just get to preach uh, a particular verse on Sunday and pick another one the next Sunday. Doing that, you can go your whole career as a pastor and never preach on the verses and sections of the Bible that you don't like. But if you're committed, as Calvary Chapels are, to going through the entire Bible, not missing a verse, you got to talk about the hard verses too. And not only do you have to talk about them, you've got to explain them. And you have to explain them pretty good, too, because if you don't explain it, you read a verse and then you explain it. And if you don't explain it good and, you, and your your interpretation of that verse is not right or doesn't make sense, then people are going to listen to you and say, you know, that's not right. You know, now that your explanation of that did not wasn't coherent, it didn't make sense. So because of that, Calvary Chapel churches tend to be more biblical and if they're more biblical they're more loving they're more 
uh, and of course, I can't speak for everyone, and I, I don't intend to try. Um, and I do have some differences, you know, minor differences with some issues and stuff like that. But again, just like that letter said, we we can't let those. If you let those things get in the way of you're going to church, then you won't go to church. And this di- isn't a recent thing. This has always been this way. You know, it, 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 you can't be mad at, because, at that one person who, you know, sings inappropriately or says something during the service or whatever that you don't like or the thing that you don't like. You've got to fight through that stuff and you have to realize that it's not perfect, but you're, you're, it's not about you is the thing. You, you're, this isn't about you. You go there to bless other people, other Christians is one thing. Uh, and another thing, it's to worship God. So it, you go there to worship God, and you say, well, I can worship God at my house. Yeah, but do you? You know, do you worship God in your house? Do you spend one, one day a year truly, or one day one day a year maybe, one day a month, or <laughs> one day a week actually uh, devoted to actual just straight worshiping God for 30 minutes and, and, and corporately or whatever? Of course, of course you don't. I mean, I hope you do, but you probably don't. Um and and so yeah, there. It's not about you. Go to church is is what I got to say. All right. So I think that's everything I wanted to say today. Uh, if you've got any questions for me, you can email me at, at nowhere to run nineteen eighty four at gmail dot com. Though caveat, I have not been as good as getting to email at, at getting to emails as I have been in the past. I can only devote about one day a week these days to getting to emails. So uh, if I don't get back to you right away. That's why. And if I don't get back to you at all, uh, I did read it and I am reading them. I read all of them, but sometimes I've got to, I've got to sort of pick and choose at the moment because of, uh, the current, uh, situation. There's just not, not enough hours in the day for me to, to do all that stuff and to continue to be fruitful and effective in the other stuff that I want to do, the, the videos and the, the projects and all that stuff. So, uh, please forgive me for that. I am trying to remedy that and get it all figured out. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening and, and, and sticking it out with uh, me. I know it's been a long time since I've last podcasted. I will talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Nowhere to Run. You can download all of the archives to this show and others I've done for free at NowhereToRunRadio.com. Your prayers and donations are needed and appreciated. You can partner with me to reach many more people with discipleship, apologetics, and the gospel. Go to Nowhere to Run Radio to help support this ministry. Thanks for your time.